you have your Bibles, will you please turn it into Matthew chapter 7. Matthew chapter 7, verses 24 through 27. I believe it can be found on page 812 in your Bible in the pews and the chairs there in front of you. You know, for those of us who have been parents, we've always had a screaming, crying baby. We know that feeling, but I will tell you this. The moment we stop having screaming babies in this church is the moment we die as a church. And so we rejoice and we love to hear the sounds of babes. We are wrapping up the Sermon on the Mount, a sermon series that we've been in for some months now on kingdom living. And this is the last recorded teaching here in the Gospel of Matthew from our Lord in the Sermon on the Mount. We will read uh, Matthew's concluding statements about the Sermon on the Mount and study them next week. And then we'll move into a new sermon series on the Gospel according to Hosea. Yes, Hosea is actually a book in the Bible. It's a minor prophet. has much to say to our day and age and our and has a good word for us, and so that will be our next sermon series. But for now, let's turn our attention here to God's holy, inerrant, authoritative word to us. Matthew chapter 7, verses 24 through 27. Everyone then who hears these words of mine and does them will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock. And the rain fell, and the floods came, and the winds blew and beat on that house. But it did not fall because it had been founded on the rock. And everyone who hears these words of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. The rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and beat against that house. And it fell. And great was the fall of it. Let's pray. Father, we know here from this parable that our Lord Jesus has a great word for us to encourage us, to strengthen us, to challenge us. Let's pray, Father, that you would take your word of truth and apply it to our hearts and change us. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Many of you know that I'm the son of a carpenter. My father built custom homes for most of my adult life, and I spent many summers uh, working for him, building custom homes for him, and one of the things I recall doing very vividly because of how hard a work it was, was digging ditches, (laughs) digging the ditches to build or pour a foundation for a home. If you have ever built a home or been around a building being constructed, you know that foundations are They're very tedious. They're very slow. But they are absolutely critical to the integrity of a home, to a building. And so our Lord here concludes the Sermon on the Mount on kingdom living with a parable about how we must have one foundation and one foundation only. This foundation cannot be found by looking deep within ourselves The Lord Jesus is not just saying to follow your heart. It's not what he's saying here. The foundation that the Lord speaks of here cannot be found in the world. The world cannot save us or offer any form of lasting hope. 
No, the Lord Jesus is teaching that our foundation must be him. The Lord Jesus is the rock. All other ground, all other foundations are sinking sand. So Jesus' sermon here ends very explicitly saying what he has been implying all along in the Sermon on the Mount. Disciples, followers of the Lord Jesus Christ are called to radical kingdom living. We are called to radical kingdom living. What does that look like? Well, what he's been teaching in these last few paragraphs, these last few sayings here in the Sermon on the Mount, that there is a difference between merely saying or professing that Jesus is Lord. There's more to a rock-solid faith than that. There's also more to than just hearing and, and agreeing and nodding our heads with Jesus' good words, his teaching here. There's more to it. Rather, the Lord Jesus is very, saying very explicitly here, we are to be doers of the word. We are to be followers, doers of his word. Kingdom living, true discipleship means to exclusively bow our knee to the Lord Jesus Christ. And there must be total obedience to the law of Christ and to his teachings as a means for living for him. His followers are to be doers of his word here. Yes, a, a verbal profession. And yes, even an intellectual knowledge that Jesus is Lord and Savior is important. But it is not a substitute for obedience, for following his word and being doers. Dietrich Bonhoeffer said this about Jesus' concluding words. Jesus does not allow his hearers to go away and make his sayings what they will, picking and choosing from them whatever they find helpful and testing them to see if they work. Jesus knows only one possibility, simple surrender and obedience. Not just interpreting it or applying it, but doing and obeying it is what we are called to do. So now we have another one of Jesus' two ways sayings here. There's, there's two ways that we can go here. There's two paths. There's two choices. And the questions for us this morning are, what is your foundation? If we were to dig deep below the surface of your life, what would be the underlying thing? What would be the foundation upon which you have built your life? What is the bedrock of your life that will keep you from being swept away by storms, by troubles, by trials? What is your foundation? That is what Jesus is making us face here in this teaching. So in this passage, Matthew 7, 24 through 27, Jesus concludes his sermon with two ways to respond. There's obedience or rebellion. There's wisdom or foolishness. Will you build your life on Christ, the rock? Or will you build your life on sand, which is an unstable foundation? So Jesus here uses the illustration of building, of men building a house. And he asks us this, what are you building your life upon? What is your foundation? Again, as I said before, foundations are 
important, they're critical, they're slow, they're, they're tedious. Foundations are not seen, though. I can remember when my father was building these custom homes for people. The homeowners loved to come by every day to check and see the progress of the building. And for most of the time, a good two months, they would come by and still just see dirt poured, pulled up. <laughs> what are you guys doing? Are you all actually working? And I'm well, you know how long I've been digging this ditch? <laughs> and pouring concrete and bending rebar, it's slow, it's, it's tedious. It's the most important part of a building. Foundations for buildings are dug and laid depending on the type of soil the size of the building, and a whole host of other regulations. There's a lot that goes into a foundation. When I was building these homes with my father in Mississippi, oftentimes we would dig these ditches down five or six feet deep. And then on top of that, we'd have to clear it out. It had to be a perfect little ditch. And then three to four feet of concrete and rebar would be poured down into those ditches. And that's what the home would be built upon. That's what would bring the stabilizing force to it. Uh, my former church in Mississippi, Highlands Presbyterian Church, this past Sunday, they celebrated their first Sunday in their brand new sanctuary. It's a big, beautiful building that seats over a thousand people. But I remember that dreadful day with the architects and with the builders when they told us how poor the soil was in this area where that building was going to be deep. And so what was thought to be about a $300,000 foundation was going to end up being a $1.5 million foundation. What they had to do, because the soil was so poor, what they had to do to make sure that foundation was sure was drill 130 pylons around the footing of this building 30 feet deep in order to set this building on top of it. A very, very tedious Slow process, but why? Foundations are important. You can't just throw a building up on top of some dirt. Go look at the forts I've built. They don't last very long. And so Jesus sets before us here the wise man and the foolish man. And in verses 24 through 25, the first builder, who is called wise by our Lord, builds his house on rock. Rock is a solid foundation. Rock is stronger than just soil or sand. And so the reason Jesus is using this illustration here is because most of his hearers would have been very familiar with the terrain, very familiar with house building here around the Sea of Galilee. But during the summer months, the Sea of Galilee would become very dry and the sand around the shore would become very hard and almost rock-like because it was so dry. And so you can imagine people building shelters and homes on top of this, thinking, hey, this is good, it's clean, we're right here by the water. But when the storms would come, when the waters would rise, the foundation would not last, because the wise builder would dig several feet below the surface to get to the bedrock for a more sure foundation. In the Christian life, in kingdom living, Having a solid foundation, building your house upon the rock, is more than just listening to good sermons and nodding your head and agreeing with the word that's being taught and being read. Because the Bible says that we can 
do these things. We can read our Bibles, we can hear things, and we can agree with them, and yet we can be a fool. We can lack wisdom if we fail to obey God's word and do it. This is the difference between being a wise and a foolish builder. As we've gone through these sermon series, I'm very thankful for the session and for your elders. We've been praying constantly, Lord, let us not just hear these words from our Lord. Let us be doers of it, all of us. Disciples who build their house on the bedrock, the Lord Jesus Christ and his message of kingdom living. Those are the ones who are truly wise. This is why it's so important for us as a church, as disciples of the Lord Jesus Christ, to be aware of the latest Christian fads and trends and have mercy, are there a lot of them? How many times have people come to you or come to me, here it is, here's the latest book, the latest book in the Christian bookstore, and if, and if you read this, it will change your life like it changed mine. You, we, we must read this as a whole church. Stop your sermon series now and read this book. Or the latest story of a child who died and went to heaven, and now it's been proved beyond all else that heaven is for real. That is sand. Only Christ in his word is the rock. Christ and his word must be our bedrock, our truth, not sinking sand, not the latest fads and trends. Christ and more of him. How does the Bible define a wise man? Who is a wise person? What does true biblical wisdom look like? Hold your place there in Matthew and turn to James. James is later in your New Testament, almost toward the end. James, an apostle of our Lord. A lot of people get real worried about the teaching in James. It almost sounds like he's talking about works, salvation by works. That is not what the apostle is teaching. The apostle is teaching we've been saved unto works. We've been saved to do good works, to be doers of his word. And listen what he says very clearly in James chapter 1, verses 22 through 25. But be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man who look in, looks intently at his natural face in a mirror. For he looks at himself and he goes away and at once forget what he was like. But the one who looks into the perfect law, the law of liberty, and perseveres, being no hearer who forgets, but a doer who acts, he will be blessed in his doing. Blessed is the one who is a doer of the word. He is wise. Doing, following, obeying the commands of the Lord Jesus Christ is evidence of a true faith. We must do these things that Jesus has taught us in the great sermon. And that is what building upon the rock is. That is true wisdom. Taking these words and applying them and doing them. The one who is a doer of the word, the one who is a follower of the truth, will not be shaken and cannot be moved like that house that is built upon the rock. 
Though the storms of life may rage, the wise man does not put his hope in the Republican Party. He does not put his hope in his stock portfolio. He does not put his hope in his career or his status. It is the student who does not put their hope in their grades, their GPA, or the athlete in their athletic prowess, or a relationship that promises to give us all the satisfaction this world can offer, etc., etc., etc. A wise one is the one who builds his life upon Christ. He is the only solid rock. He is the only sure foundation. The Bible teaches that very clearly. And I think most of you could say that is true from your experience. This is contrasted in verses 26 through 27 with the foolish man. Foundations are not built on sand. We love building sandcastles when we go to the beach. I mean, we have spent some time on some sandcastles. But the next morning, they're gone. They're not there. They don't last. If you're not building your life on Christ, the rock, you're building it on sand. Sand is just mere stuff, the world. And if you're doing this, if you're building your life on just stuff, on sinking sand, the Bible says you're a fool. It is foolish. We spend a good bit of time going down to the Gulf Coast for vacation. We, we love it. It's a place where we can relax and enjoy God's creation. And over the years, I've seen a lot of homes built down there, a lot of cottages built on the sand, on the beach. And it's just amazing, again, to see how long it takes to do the foundation for one of these homes. They bring 30 to 40 pylons in, and they drive them down about 30 or 40 feet deep with a water drill. And why do they do that? To get to the sure foundation, to the something that's down there 30 or 40 feet below. I've never been down there, don't want to go down there. (laughs) And find something stable in order to put those pylons on to build a home. They have to drill down to that base layer that's almost right rock-like. If you're not living your life for Jesus Christ, If you don't see that your purpose in life is to glorify God and worship him, then your life is built on sand. Sand that will wash away. Your life is built on a foundation that cannot support your foolish way of life. Another way in which true faith, true discipleship is distinguished between a a false faith or a counterfeit faith or the wise versus the foolish that Jesus is speaking here, the way we can tell the difference is by trials. Trials. How are you going to face the wind and rain and the floods of life? If everything that you hold precious and important right now, if it is gone tomorrow, how would you cope? How would you go on living? Brothers and sisters, I can tell you in my short-lived life that one thing is sure. Storms do come in life. 
and they do not discriminate. I can remember living 300 and something miles away from the coast of Mississippi when Hurricane Katrina came through. And we thought, we're fine, it's not going to bother us. A hundred mile an hour wind at my house from a hurricane that came from way away. Storms in life are the same way. They do not discriminate. Troubles, hardships, trials, tribulations, they will come like storms. And they will reveal the foundation of your life, of all of our lives. The late John Stott said, only a storm will reveal the truth. And it does. Those of you who have been through storms in life know this. If you're not building your life on Christ, you are a fool. And the storm will overtake you. I once heard John Piper say, John Piper, many of you know John Piper. He's a preacher up in Minneapolis, been faithfully preaching God's word for year upon year upon year. A godly man, a, a stalwart in our day and age. I'm so thankful for him. And I, a, guy, a young man like me looks to a guy like John Piper, and I think that's what I want to be like. I mean, he's, he's never scared. He's, he's never intimidated. I mean, he's rock solid. That's what I want to be like. But I heard him say one time the thing that scares him the most in life, and I'll never forget it. He said the thing that scares him the most in life is standing before the Lord Jesus on the last day and being called a fool. He said, that's the thing that scares him the most, is being called a fool. And so, brothers and sisters, children, young men and women, don't be a fool. Don't be foolish. What is your foundation? Is it sand? Are you building your life upon things, upon people, upon your good looks, upon yourself? What are you building on? Are you building your life upon the precious things of God, or are you just looking at the latest thing that dazzles and catches your eye, and all you're doing is living for yourself? These things are sand. Jesus is warning us very clear here. We must build our lives upon him, the rock. And again, the late Leon Moore says, we neglect this warning from Jesus to our peril. Great will be the fall of your life if it is built on sand. Because Jesus doesn't just say that the foolish builder was, was dumb and ignorant. He said, no, his house fell. And he didn't just put the period there. Great was the fall of it. It was destroyed. It was washed away. It was unrecognizable because it was foolish. And so what must we do to maintain a foundation, a life that is built upon the rock, the Lord Jesus Christ? What must we do? At least this sound like another Sunday school lesson. These things continue to hold true. We must daily look to Christ. We must fix our eyes upon the author and perfecter of our faith who has run the race before us. 
We must preach the gospel to ourselves every day. We must remind ourselves that Jesus is the rock. He is the Savior. He is the Lord. My life must be built upon him. We must daily look to the word. His words that give life, that give meaning, that give us purpose, that show us how to live wisely. That's why we read from Deuteronomy chapter 32. This was kind of Moses' last hurrah to all the people. Here are the words that God has given to you. They are your very life. Obey them. You and your children. And we must be plugged into a community. A community of disciples, of other beloved brothers and sisters in Christ who will help us grow, who will call us to account, who will warn us, hey, you're kind of building your life on sand right now, brother. You need to watch out. We need that. We need to experience those means of grace together here as a body. All these things help us to maintain a foundation built upon the rock. Again, Dietrich Bonhoeffer sums up this for our Lord Jesus here in the Sermon on the Mount. He says, humanly speaking, we could understand and interpret the Sermon on the Mount in a thousand different ways. But Jesus knows only one possibility. Simple surrender and obedience. We must obey what his word says. It's not just some ideal. He really means us to get on with it. He really means these words and means us to get on with it, obeying it, doing it. Jesus says here very clearly, build on me. I am the rock. Don't try harder. Look to me, Jesus says. He is the Lord. And that's why we must sing as we sang earlier. I love that hymn. I dare not trust the sweetest frame, but wholly lean on Jesus' name. On Christ the solid rock I stand, all other ground is sinking sand. If you're building your life upon Christ, then your life will stand. It will be secure. You will know everlasting joy. Sing, sing on Christ. The solid rock I stand. All other ground is sinking sand. What a great reminder. Let's pray. Oh Lord, let us not be like the man who goes and looks in the mirror and sees his reflection and then walks away and quickly forgets what he looks like. Let us look intently into the law of freedom into the words of Christ and see that he is the rock. Lord, expose in our lives all of the sand, all of the unsure foundation, and help us by your Spirit to build our lives upon the rock. We thank you that Jesus is our foundation foundation of the church, the foundation of our lives. We praise you and thank you for him. In his name we pray. Amen.